0: pull up a stool. We're back. I've got John, John Robinson, back on the show. We're talking about entrepreneurship and one of my favorite topics, if we get to it. Yeah, that's right. Procrastination. Uh, So, you know, we've talked about procrastinating before. Uh, John wants to get into, you know, how to master your why you don't do something. And, you know, learning the mindsets and habits that get us into actually doing it. So this is a good one. I hope you enjoy it. Sit back. Relax. Pop a bottle. Let's do it. Hey everybody, John here from JohnLumer.com and John Lumber Digital on Facebook. Here's another edition of the social media podcast where each week I invite to Virtual Pub and get drunk on entrepreneurship. Today we got John Robinson, JR, my backup CEO, business manager back on the show. What you doing, JR? How you doing?
1: Happy July.
0: Happy now- July. I can't believe it's July.
1: Yeah, now I'm just saying that it snuck up, it snuck up on us that the, we're mid-year already, so can't wait to talk about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. I, it's, um, and it's also been a strange and eventful and different year, spring and summer. Um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel like we're just reacting on the fly. It's been crazy. But what did you want to talk about today?
1: Well, being in this July 2nd, it is mid-year, so I think a lot of us think about the second half of 2018 and what it's going to look like and what plans are in place. For those that do annual plans for 2018, it's a reflection back on the first six months. And then it's looking, all right, where do I need to redirect my efforts in time? Now, with all that said, it sounds like work, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And what showed up for me is as we all look at this work that's ahead or not ahead, because some of us are procrastinators. Who? By design. I don't know. I think you you own procrastination. But with that said, there's objections. So I want to talk about objections today, because uh, I think that when we set a goal in our mind, I think objections kind of sneak up on us some that we state and some that we don't so today's conversation is around the topic of objections
0: sound good for you sounds good now before we get started uh, you'd be proud of me i launched the next training course today so three so. more than three weeks out from when it starts <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so that is good, because yeah. traditionally, for those that are tracking how many days in advance John begins our campaigns, it's, sometimes two it's been a week. Yeah. All right, well, it
0: might have been one time I did a week. <laughs> one time is one week.
1: So, yeah, no, that's good. I, I'm glad to, that, that, you, that you did it a week, or, week earlier. Now, with that said, let's just go into that as a topic. What have been some of the objections that you've considered in the past on, you know, when you, when you haven't started it three weeks earlier
0: and you choose two weeks? Uh, my biggest concern is just the constant selling. Mm-hmm. So just within, just about a, a week ago, yeah, a week ago, I was telling you, hey, make sure, let, last chance, sign up for the business manager training program and then you know that that was done uh, last Tuesday and Thursday then already am I going to send an email tomorrow saying hey introducing my next training program and and the the biggest issue with that now is that unlike nor what what has normally been the case for my business I haven't been producing a bunch of content so when I when I do I think that's that approach is fine because I'm in, in the middle. You're getting emails from me saying, "Hey, latest blog post. This this new feature is released. Hey, check this out." But now it's just like they're only hearing from me when I'm when I'm selling you something. So that that's the only thing that kind of I struggle with.
1: So let's let's work that objection a little bit because I like the objection that says, "I don't want to look like an over marketer." That that's the that's an objection to starting a week earlier.
0: Yeah.
1: Now. What can you do so that you don't look like an over marketer because you are 100 percent averse to looking slimy, to looking scammy, to looking like an over marketer. So I know this is in your disposition to not want to do that. Now, with that said, what can we do? If we start three weeks out, which we just did, what can you do to make sure that it doesn't look like over-marketing? Which is the objection that you, you are concerned about?
0: I mean, the first thing would be create more content that I can email about, if that's possible. Uh, it is possible. Don't <laughs> Tough time. Why tough time, tough time of the year. Uh, the other thing would be, instead of announcing it to my email list tomorrow... I could just make sure I've got all, like Facebook ads running promoting it, um, so I'm still promoting it, but in a way that doesn't really disrupt, you know, pe- the, the whole email correspondence. Because I, I just, again, I, I, that's pretty much all I've emailed people about like, within the last few months is a hey, new training course. Boring. So I could still I I could still kind of kind of get it off the ground by running ads to it.
1: Right. And and end of the day, what is what is the overall goal? Because as we started off looking at the, you know, the objection is, is you don't want to overmarket. What's the what's the overall goal as you go into promotion, a promotion cycle? Because this is a promotion cycle, three weeks versus two.
0: What's, the overall, so what, goal?
1: what's the overall goal? What's overall goal of the your campaign? Is it is it? All right, I'm going to start marketing three weeks out. I'm going to make sure that I don't over market, over Facebook ad,
0: over email, over. Well, the Facebook you ad stuff. I I mean I I don't think you can re- truly over Facebook ads unless you just waste a bunch of money and get nothing out of it. So that's why I was saying you know I can run some Facebook ads instead of necessarily launching it on email
1: so this is over emailing instead yeah. of saying over marketing because you said over or i maybe i said over marketing so, yeah. so so but in general though take a step back and you have a brand new campaign and you want people to sign up and you market to them and you just describe. i just started an email campaign three weeks ahead of time versus two weeks so what showed up for me when we talked about objections was I don't want to overmarket the email list. Is
0: that is that a better reframe of it? I think that's the basic just because I've seen how valuable and how effective email is mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to make it less effective by overmarketing via that uh outlet
1: no, that's good. So then, so you you stated, I'll do some Facebook ads. I'll do more email, con- more content, relevant content versus just promotional content.
0: Yeah, look, maybe instead of like writing a blog post, I could just send an email with something interesting in it prior to launching it via email too. I just... Yeah, I'm sensitive to it because I'm to the point where I'm even annoyed by just normal marketing these days. So, uh, and I'm not might not be everybody. So I hope not everyone's like that. Um, So I'm just trying to avoid people kind of uh, zoning me out or unsubscribing or all that kind of stuff and making my email less effective.
1: So, so that's a consequence. So, if you got someone listening, they're like, "Man, how do I?" Stop over emailing my marketing list or my email list. Those are some of the things that come to mind for you. Is send more valuable different content? Yeah, I mean more valuable stuff. I I think that's
0: why my email has always been so effective in the past, and maybe why it's been less effective so far this year. It's because usually the marketing where I'm, I'm trying to sell you something is kind of the minority of the the emails I'm sending out. Usually I'm just, I'm sending out something to let you know about the latest blog post, something that's free and useful and whatever. Useful information as opposed to get out your credit card. Uh, and so then when I sent out the get out your credit card email, people were much, much more willing to, to do that at that point. So something I, I completely understand how it works. Uh, but as we've discussed over and over and over, It's kind of the nature, it's the balance of what we're trying to accomplish here in the spring and summer this year. All
1: right, so I'm gonna add to this one because there's something that shows up for me because I'm trying to take us out of you and I and expand it to other people who have that pain of how do I stop over-marketing my email list? And it sounds to me, again, you said, send more valuable stuff. You also said, do Facebook ads which sounds to me like do other social media marketing. Yeah. Right? Yep. Any, anything else that shows up for you to manage that objection of, I don't want to over market my email list?
0: Yeah, I mean, just you create more content. I mean, uh, that's, yep. that's really the main thing. It, it kind of uh, buffers it and softens the blow a little bit when you actually mm. ask, ask people for money than after giving a bunch of useful stuff. I like the buffer the blow
1: because it it is a buffer. It's an absolute, so buffer content. We're going to make that up right now Mm -hmm. is buffer content versus sales content. Because that's what what that is. All right, so cool. Well, thanks for walking me through that objection to, you know, starting earlier than later with marketing your email list. Elevating to the stance of we know you procrastinate. Uh, I won't say habitually all the time, but but you you are in the practice of procrastinating. Do objections show up for you as part of the reason for procrastinating on things like what? And you can pick any topic you want. Let's say running. How are you doing with running now that I think about it? So so uh, you're really diligent about looking at a a running chart. On how many miles you run, and you fill it out.
0: Yeah. Why are you smiling? That's Just so it's, it's it's crazy because I'm so hot and cold, and it's it's. I mean, if to look at this chart, um, my month of May, I started running right here. I don't know if you see this, right mm-hmm. here. So the the first of April, I started running in May. So that's fifty miles, a hundred miles. So I ran 100 miles in the month of May. And then I was on fire to start June. I ran about 44 miles, I think, through the 13th. And the 13th is the last time I ran. So you went from
1: 100 miles one month to less than 50 the following month. Half.
0: Well, and that's kind of consistent. I mean, April was, I think I did pretty good. Yeah, I did really good, actually. So I ran... 50 miles in like half a month, uh, but before that, like March, I ran twice. You know, it, and so oftentimes, though, where, when I get most motivated is because I'm up against some sort of deadline. And there you go, like I, and that's kind of a an artificial deadline, but it's, it's realizing I'm falling behind, and if I don't try to catch up soon, I'm in trouble.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I hear that. And if you said, "Okay, it's July," what do you predict your month will be for running? Now is it another hundred?
0: No, no. I, th- I mean, I, th- I think I'll, I think I'll uh, maybe run close to sixty. Just so I can, I'll get on. I'll get on pace. I think this month.
1: Yeah. So, staying in the spirit of objections, you already just said. Stick miles, Mass July. We're gonna do 60 miles. What are some of the objections that show up for you that have you putting your 60 mile goal at risk?
0: I mean, what kind of stuff's gonna keep me from running it? Um, That's an objection. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a busy couple of mo- couple of weeks in that. Uh, got a couple of state tournaments to wrap up the baseball season this weekend and next weekend. And then immediately after, my family's going on uh, a trip uh, for my my folks' 50th anniversary. And so, I mean, it's, it's going to be some busy times. I mean, just, just busy stuff, uh, whether it's that or you know all this recruiting for the next team, all this stuff is happening right now. So it can slow me down a little bit.
1: Well, I think part of this is also belief and mindset because I think if if let's say for today, you have not run today, did you? No. And you was there what was your objection to doing seven miles today? Uh, I was busy. And that's it. And it's uh, busy. So yeah. so is it scheduling it? Because I I didn't know you to be a scheduler of your running. Like, okay, you're, we know you're busy, we know you have a schedule, do you schedule your running?
0: Mm, I mean, I, I used to have a time where I, this is one place, one area where not having the kids in school does hurt a little bit, because oftentimes there was more of a routine about when I would run, and it would usually be within an hour or so after I took my youngest to school. So right now there's really not a schedule. now that said um there's some some time there in may where i was running like a madman and school's out so it's tough to say (laughs)
1: yeah so we don't know if that belief is true or not but it sounds like it sounds like you could to get over that objection of all right i'm too busy is okay maybe i could just schedule it out
0: yeah as a strategy first thing in the morning overcome that First thing in the morning, it would smart to be to do it first thing in the morning because it's it's getting hot these days, and to run before it gets too hot because that's that is another objection. It's it's freaking hot outside. Do I really want to go running? <laughs> so, yeah. so,
1: but see, you're walking into this perfectly because if we become more mindful on our objections, we can do something about them. Mm-hmm. Like literally, if we become more mindful, we can do something about them. Like even with you just saying the weather, well, what can you do about the weather? Start earlier. Run, run, run so early that there's no sun out. That's what I used to do. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I used to do in Scottsdale when I was training for marathons, and it's 110. It's 100 degrees almost by 8 a.m. I would just didn't want that sun on me, so I would run at 5:30, 6 in the morning before the sun came up, and it'd be only like five degrees cooler, if that. But you still didn't have that sun, that sun wearing you down as well. Mm-hmm. So, so there is power in, um, you know, in addressing the objection and putting a strategy against it. You just made me think of a, and I haven't read this book, and I heard that Daniel Pink wrote another book, and it's around the way you do work, and he's testing out this theory that says that some people have the most productive time during certain times of the day. With that said, for you, I just heard you say, yeah, you know what? I'm best at running when it's the morning. Is that is that how your is that how your work is or can you run in the evening or where uh, I definitely where don't does I, don't, I show up?
0: I definitely don't run in the evening. Uh, okay. but really anywhere from I'd say <laughs> nine in the morning to two PM yeah is is typically the window when I might run
1: and and that is that is that just because of the kids not being there or do you you feel like you just ate breakfast, you have the most energy, or is it just what what is that That's
0: usually when I'm most available okay so um yeah, I mean, after that, after that point is usually when you know there could be some baseball commitment or, or something you know I, or that I got to worry about, or two o'clocks when we do webinars and and John and Johns and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, so.
1: But what yeah. if, what if you found out? What if you found out that your best performance on that grid of all those miles you've run? If you found out, because you're a data guy, you're a fantasy. I don't know fantasy baseball, but I know you you like data. What have you found out that there is this particular hour or two that you have peak performance? Not just nine to two o'clock in the afternoon.
0: Yeah, it doesn't mean that much to me. I'm not looking mm-hmm. to run okay. a marathon I'm not looking to run a marathon or anything.
1: All right. Well, that's fine. And and as people are sitting there thinking about the objections and the work that they need to do that they're procrastinating on, there's probably something to knowing when you're, you're at your best. And I think that's what Daniel Pink's work is about right now, is knowing where you're at your best so that you get the work done. With that said, it is also about awareness of how you work and work best. So I'll switch it from running to writing mm. because that's work that you have to do that <laughs> – keeps traffic going. It keeps the food on the table. And that's what we depend on you for. We depend on you to write. And with that said, have you discovered any times in the week that's best to write for you? Or is it the same way? It's like, oh, nine to two or four to nine. What's your recipe for success when you're writing?
0: Uh, Facebook ad stuff uh, generally in the evenings. Okay. When it's on that topic, uh, when when the house is calmed down, quieted down a bit, and uh, and a lot. Of, I mean, in the past, I would I would be writing like not just the evenings, but late, late. Uh, I, I've gotten away from that, thankfully, because I thought that was crazy. But um, you know, now it's more of like starting about eight o'clock or so and um i've i'm typically pretty productive then
1: yeah is, you, is there any power in you knowing that for those that are out there trying to think of why they procrastinate so much and what it, they don't realize that they don't understand why they can't get the work done is there some power in you knowing like this is just when i write i write the best in the evening and i run the best in the morning
0: yeah i mean i think it helps eliminate some guilt for why am I not writing right now?
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, why am I not writing in, here in the morning or early afternoon or, or whatever it is? So that's not what I'm most productive. I'll write tonight.
1: Hmm. I like that. Cause I was just sitting there thinking if there was power in knowing if you're a night owl or an early riser, when I think of early riser, I think of like a farmer. Like a farmer gets up early in the morning and does all this hard labor. Some people design to be farmers and some people design And night owl is not the right word. I can't think of a profession that is more geared to, well, one that's. yeah politically correct to say right so maybe bartender is bartender a fair one to say sure
0: those hours are more consistent with what i was doing before where i would stay up till one or two in the morning writing and then publishing and then promoting something that i wrote
1: yeah all right so i'm going to shift this one to how to handle objections so I was, we were talking about objections and, and how we handle our own objections to not getting us from point A to point B or the work that we want to do. Now I'm going to say the reverse of how to handle other people's rejections. And with that said, I'm going to go into the space of Spiders baseball right now. And I know mm-hmm. that you are recruiting for players for the next season's team, correct? Correct. Now, is there power in you knowing the objections before you receive them? And let's say the rejections from parents, oh, not rejection, objections between from parents and objections from players. Is there a power in you kind of knowing like, all right, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to deal
0: with this objection? Yeah, I mean to a point. Um, you could be prepared for it or answer it before you get it. You know that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, you caught me at a bad time. I got my my first object or rejection last <laughs> last night of the season. I
1: didn't, I didn't know this is perfect timing. So I, I guess rejection, the word rejection, just snuck out. So I was really saying objection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But tell us about what happened. <laughs>
0: Well, it's a kid who's just really good player. Uh, and really, ever, ever since I knew I'd be starting this team, you know, a couple of years ago, that's a, t- a kid I wanted on the team. Um, but, you know, he's also he's playing for a team that's by far the best team in the state. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be tough to pull him away. And uh, ultimately... That's kind of what happened. So, boo! I need a better story than that. What was what was his
1: objection? What what made him say no to you, to nope. your team, to your coaching? What made him say no to
0: you? No, it's more <laughs> about you know, not not knowing what kind of team we're going to have the first year, and as a result, what kind of competition we're going to be playing and all that kind of stuff. Because he's going from a team that's traveling across the country constantly because they're so good and playing the best teams in the country and getting the best best challenges that way to, you know, we're probably just going to stay in state for the most part is what my plan is for next year until I know how good we are. So that's, yeah. that's basically a step down for them.
1: I, I struggle with this one because LeBron James, he just left and signed with the Lakers. Does he know what time of, kind of team he's going to get? No, oh, he does though because he's know LeBron how much James. Winning. No, he's Come LeBron on. James.
0: No matter what team he's on, it's going to be good because he's LeBron James. It, it, just look at the Cavs. That team was terrible except for LeBron James. So they know they're going to win. They know they're going to they're going to be playing in the playoffs and doing stuff that at a high level, all that all that business. So you don't really get that in baseball. We have one kid. If, when, when we add them, we're going to be flying around the country because we have this one kid. That's no. We don't have LeBron
1: yeah, James. I, yeah, I get that. So since you don't have LeBron James, that I see why that kid would be like, all right, are we going to travel everywhere? Who does the team look like? Now, uh, let's say this. If you would have had, how many players do you have recruited so far for the team? We're officially five right now. And you needed how many?
0: Up to, we're going to get 11 eventually.
1: So if you had nine players... Do you think that this kid might have had a higher
0: likelihood of well, part, part maybe of joining? And, well, depending on who those nine players are, and but I think the the part of the issue is that I am an honest sales, like I don't want to say, honest salesperson, honest person. Like I'm not a hard sales guy, and I'm not like going to guarantee what level of play we're going to be at. And I think they appreciated that, but that's also ultimately that like. So I don't know. We don't know what we're getting into. We don't know what the the final, you know, five kids are gonna be like. And so I think being honest does does hurt you sometimes.
1: I, I, I would call you a man of your word. And the character trait, leadership trait that this shows up for me is integrity. So yeah, you have integrity. You do not promise something that you can deliver on and you are not gonna create a smokescreen. Because that's, in essence, what it could be, too. Like, oh, or you're not going to promise something that you – there might be a chance that might not happen. So, yeah, that's what I would say is that. So, overall, there's nothing you could really do differently to manage his objection of the schedule flying everywhere – what's the schedule and then the players that are going to be on it.
0: Uh, Not while being honest, no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, as I say, that, it sounds ridiculous, but a lot of coaches lie. They're like, oh, yeah. Well, but,
1: and I, dude, and I'm laughing at it's you say like that. A it's just like being a marketer, yeah. But I'm laughing that you say that because I listen to objections, or I see objections handled all the time online and offline, and you're right, a strategy could be the lie, and it doesn't even register to me that if I were – this is a real life example because I just got out of a a coaching call with a brand new restaurant in San Diego and they've been in business less than six months. And the first year for most restaurants is high failure rate, high probability, Mm -hmm. unless you have a lot of money To, to break even meaning from what goes in your left pocket to what goes out of your right pocket can take a long time. And I'm sitting there trying to help them through what are the objections of people coming into your restaurant? Like, what are the things that they might say? What are the things that it could be too expensive, this, that, and the other? And just the exercise of going through all the objections caused me to say, hey, we should talk about objections today on our John and John. Now, reeling myself back in, the idea of lying just doesn't come up as an option for a strategy. Yeah. It, just, it just doesn't. And that's where I think discounting, so let's say an objection to a new product, a new class, new course, is it too expensive? I think marketers easily go to a default strategy of, well, then let me discount it. And let me discount it. That's not really dealing with the objection. Right. The objection to me. It, what do you I, think the objection is when I just say that? What did you just hear me say?
0: Um. It basically, you know, the, I, I'm not giving you the best price, and the more you complain, I'll give you a better one. I actually dealt with that this morning, uh, or actually, no, it was yesterday. So I've got, um, uh, Photoshop and Adobe Acrobat and. And I wanted to get um, Illustrator as well. So these are all by Adobe. And I've got annual subscriptions for the other two. One of them that's actually paid monthly but it's annual and the other one that's paid annually. And so I was it's like, okay, well, this, I want to upgrade to get all access to all 20 apps for a little bit more. So how are we going to do that since we're already paying, I've already paid for like seven months of this, this one? And we went through like three different oh I'll do this do this thing special for you. You know, just this one time kind of thing. And I kept going back, like, no, that that doesn't make any sense. I you know, it's not that I was just driving a hard bargaining, but like, I've got all this money I've already paid into this year. I'm losing I'm losing money on it. It doesn't make any sense. And mm-hmm. then eventually they made an offer that I couldn't refuse, whatever that Oh, so you, I wonder what would have happened if I would have, you know, said no one more time. And in that case, I was okay with it just because it was like, okay, these are the steps I have to go through to actually get this done. But I can give you another example. of, We had people come to our house who are, who, who are like uh uh deal with bugs, you know, like spiders and all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know if it's just the industry or what, but these guys are slimy. Like it's the same thing. It's like the our our normal price is is $150 and today I'm gonna give you two for 97. And I'm like, oh I can't do it. Now nah, I'm gonna give you two for 68. Like, no, I can't do it. Now nah, I'm gonna give you two for no, it's like no, I like even more so I don't wanna do it. Like the more you lower it, this is ridiculous. I don't wanna deal with this. You're not giving me the best price. So that kind of stuff drives me nuts. Now, I'm sure not all consumers are that way, but the each time you lower the price like that makes me want to deal with the even less.
1: All right. So let's come up with five strategies, if we can come up with five, to handling the price objection for anyone that's out there that's the pricing thing is so tough price things, you know, based on what you, you think they're worth, or what people pay, what have you. But you just describe a situation that you just said it was slimy. Yeah. Now, truth be told, they're just trained that way mm-hmm. to give you another answer, another answer, another answer. Is that slimy? Yeah. I wouldn't label it as slimy. Sure I'll just say, I'll just say, you know what? They're trying to close a sale and then close, and it. To close a sale Give sale. Your best deal. That's it. Close it. Well, then, so then, all right. So, how about that? How about that as as a way to, to handle an objection, a pricing objection, is to
0: give your best deal first. Yeah, I mean, is, is that I, what you'd say? That's one thing. But okay. I, I, th- I think the we way the, the way we handle it is the way I prefer. So we're not, I'm not going to offer anything different for you. Anything special okay. just for you Because that's unfair to these other people Who are paying more um, And uh, the, this, product is, it, this product is worth What it's priced at And so we're very firm about that That said If this isn't right for you There's PHC Basic for example And so you'll still get lots of value Out of PHC Basic If that's still too much for you You can't, you can't commit to that Well we got plenty of free stuff too just read the free stuff. You don't have to pay for things. So I feel like having the the levels of membership help a lot for for that objection when it it comes to um, this particular business.
1: Well, I just listened to four, and I'm gonna restate those for people that are taking notes. Give your best deal first, number one. Number two, no special deals. I like the no special deals one too because I I think it's un I I don't think it's fair. I I hate when when I (laughs) when I get a deal and then I hear somebody else got a better deal. I e the airlines. I sit on in a seat. The person sitting right next to me paid eight hundred for the seat. I paid two hundred. I'm like, how is this how is this fair? Yeah, it is. It's so messed up. It's so unfair. So yeah, no special deals. Third, worth what it's paid or worth, worth what it's valued at. Is that what you said? I mean, I'd it. that. Worth, yeah. Worth, you know, what worth, it's worth what's priced worth price at. at. Yeah, priced yeah. at, price that price yeah. So worth what it's priced at. Then the fourth one, uh, offer another option. In order to deal with those who give you price objections, create another option. Like you said, if you we got one that's, expensive but here's all the values associated with it and we believe it's fair so we're not going to discount that even though we used to years and years ago and we thought we figured out that no more discounting charge
0: uh, hold on the
1: v- offer another one
0: all uh, right you were breaking up there oh did i yeah
1: all right so i don't know where i cut out
0: uh, when you started doing this
1: Oh, so no. So I was just saying, I was just saying, um, right. I was saying end of the day, if you're looking at offering different tiers, you offer the tier of a high value, which is PhD elite. And then another one. And then I like what you said on a free. So all makes sense. So those are four ways to deal with pricing objections. Is there a fifth? Do you have a fifth one? A fifth strategy on on dealing with... money um, about guarantees? Money-back guarantees.
0: Yeah. Or refunding money. I'm fine refunding money. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a waste of time to go back and forth with those people.
1: Yeah. No, I think so too. I think refunds are, are good. I think guarantees sometimes that feels slimy. It's like, oh, 30-day money-back guarantee or whatever. So I, I like the idea of, of refunding and... Overarching for all these five, this is what you've done really well at, is that you believe that they're just not a good fit. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a price objection, somebody's heckling and haggling and all that stuff, maybe that customer's just not the right fit for you. So in the spirit of of mastering objections, which is what we were intended to talk about, that's I, I feel like we accomplished it. We talked about the objections that we have personally when we're procrastinating and how to handle those. And then we talked about inbound objections on the topic of price.
0: So, good job. So, we got a comment, by the way. Uh-oh. From the other John. So, John and John and John. Remember, I think this is John. So, it's John Canetta or John Sinetta. Sorry sorry if I got it wrong. Uh, I believe he's the one we were going to interview at one point, and then we could never get the schedules right. Uh, but he commented, I think the overwhelming majority of business people assume that price is the number one objection when sales are low. So, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, that is probably a good reason why one of the big buzzwords is brand and how to build your brand. Brand can be such BS for a small business that just got started. Yeah, so everybody's starting low price and discounting and thinking that's the way when reality is. Maybe your product sucks Or maybe the way you position it Isn't so great Maybe you're not solving the need Maybe you're Going after the wrong audience
1: Yeah I'm going to tell you I just listened to you say that I believe the biggest objection Is that I don't believe you Hmm. I think I think that anybody Who gives a resistance In purchasing from you Is
0: that they don't believe you Yeah I don't believe it's price. Believe belief I mean, or trust. I mean whatever word you want to right. use.
1: Right. Yeah. Believe, trust. Yeah. It, they're 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 coupled together. So if you master getting people to believe what you believe about what you're doing, what you're offering, and then you deliver on it, you you won't have to deal with having to discount and right. over market and all that and stuff. And I think,
0: you know, the whole building a brand thing, that's that's a that's a matter of building a reputation. Um, and to a point building trust but you can build trust without you know having a reputation I think that's that's where we see a lot of online marketers screw that up right so they go straight to the hard sale the landing page without anything to kind of support that they know what they're talking about and lots of guarantees trying to get you to believe that they're that they really know what they're talking about, and kind of skipping over trust. Um, that it's, I, I, that's not uh, an approach that I certainly agree with. Yeah, perfect. Well, that's all I got for you. All right. Thank you, John, and thank you, John, uh, John Canetta, <laughs> and thanks everybody else for for listening Bye. today. Oh. Uh, man, it's 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 been fun. Uh, are we going be back again next week? We'll be back. There's no holidays or anything next Monday, right? Sure. right. We'll be back.
1: And I, I want to start getting us in the month of July, just talking a bit more about finishing strong for the rest of the year. So objections was this week. We'll figure out what the next one is, but I want them to connect with each other so everyone has a, a great
0: rest of the year. Sounds good. Well, thank you. Until next time, do awesome things. We are out.